Welcome to the Build Different Podcast. We are your hosts, Bethany and Sarah, and this is the podcast where we dig deep into the minds of fellow real estate investors and entrepreneurs. We pull back the curtains to learn all of the secrets and strategies on the road to success. Very excited to have you on the show with us because... We've been Instagram friends for a while now, and I feel like I know you already. I know we've had like little conversations here and there um, on IG, but we've never actually like sat down and had a conversation or like heard your story. Yeah, so, we should be having drinks right now. Yeah, we should be doing this Let's over. Do that. Yeah, that was a mistake yeah. with the planning there. <laughs> we'll literally go grab a beer right now. Yeah. <laughs> Come to Monarch. Let's drink. Oh yeah, there we go. Okay. That will be that will be for part two. <laughs> yes. LFG. We love it. Yes. So tell us who you are and what you're up to and what LFG means. <laughs> All right, dudes. Well, Ashley Chapman, I own Chapman Investments, partner in Middleman Investments, um, real estate agent, brokered by Big Block, been in real estate, been active for five years. I crossed the five year mark on September 17th. So that's exciting. Congratulations. Nice. Thanks. I've been licensed since just renewed my license, actually. It's crazy. Uh, since 2018. And prior to that, it was just an inside sales agent. So I just cold called from Washington state originally my background is college dropout um <laughs> like none of the exciting things <laughs> there's just, nothing wrong the, with that yeah all like, the successful you know, people are college dropouts so. I literally wish I would have never fucking went to college it was a waste of my time but um yeah I mean I have a background in car sales so I did car sales in Seattle and I moved to San Diego side unseen and I lived in a shitty ass apartment with crazy ass college students and I was hammered all the time cold calling foreclosures and shit so it's like huh <laughs> do you want me to buy your hot <laughs> yeah pretty much um but yeah I've always been in distressed real estate I've never really done I've done a couple traditional like agent deals or whatever like when I first started just I did the open housing just because I wanted to try it. The rite of passage. Yeah. Yeah. Like you have to do it. So you realize you hate yeah, it. To know like you I hate it. Yeah. If I do another open house, it'll be because I just got a hair up my ass. Out There's no. I'm like, I'm going to do an open house. But <laughs> it happens occasionally. But if you see me doing an open house, put me in a straight jacket. Something's so wrong. wrong. <laughs> Call 911. <So> <laughs> yeah. 911. But yeah. Why, why did you move to San Diego? I honestly could not tell you. I don't know. I literally just, I was sitting at work one day and I was like surfing Craigslist when Craigslist wasn't sketchy. This is like literally five years ago. Uh, no, six years ago, technically five and a half ish. But uh, I was just like selling cars. Like, I don't want to, like, I was a slave there. It's just like, I want to take time off and do shit. So I was just like serving looking at Craigslist and I found a place for 615 bucks a month. Didn't even know where it was located. Happened to be in Pacific beach. And I was just like, signed a lease the next day and quit my job on the spot, took the summer off and then just like, girl, you cray. (laughs) It was insane. I love the spontaneity. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that scary looking back. Like I'd do it again, but, um, Yeah, I was just like, I hate Seattle. I'm not staying here. I'm not doing real estate here. So I'm glad I didn't stay there. 
I've been here now five years. Are you raised in Seattle or is your family from there or? So I'm originally from Elma, Washington, which is like population, like 3,500 people. I grew up on like a mini farm. So, you know, chickens, cows, we always raised cows to butcher them for food. Um, And yeah, I mean, I grew up on like a bunch of land and I just, yeah, I graduated. I don't even know what my graduating class was exactly, but I mean, I barely graduated high school. So yeah. So from there, Seattle, what was Seattle the same idea? I just, you just woke up and wanted to go to Seattle. Um, honestly, between the time that I graduated high school to the time that I was living in Seattle was like a very, like my life was crazy. I had been all over. I'd lived in a bunch of different places because I went to college on a volleyball scholarship. I went to community college first and then I went to a university and like my school is paid for through sports. So I was just like, okay, I'm just not going to show up to class. So I moved all around, (laughs) including California. I lived in NorCal and then from NorCal, I went back to Washington and I was like working on jobs. And then I was just like, this fucking sucks. And then I was like, you know, if I'm going to make money and I want to go into real estate, I should go into car sales. So I walked into the dealership in Seattle and I was like, I want a job, please hire me. And they did. They hired me on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) So I was only there for a year and that was when I was like 21. I just turned 21 to 22 because I moved here when I was 22. So yeah, I just like, I was like, well, if I'm going to make money, I should go sell cars. Like that'll be easy, which it wasn't easy at the beginning, but it turned out to be like, real good and you definitely make a lot of money like I always tell people if they're like trying to get into real estate and they're fucking broke go sell cars like don't come talk to me you're wasting my time like go learn something about a large transaction first then come into real estate and then you'll you won't be broke and you'll learn you know the steps and like how even financing works right so it's an interesting can you explain the similarities that you notice between real estate transactions and car transactions? Yeah. So, I mean, I wouldn't say there's like a massive similarity between the two, but the difference is when somebody's spending 30, 40, 50 grand on a vehicle, they're test driving every comparable car to that car, right? So they have, and car sales is way more competitive. Like you don't just, people don't just walk in and buy cars. I mean, in Seattle they do because it's Seattle, but like, I think just in car sales in general, like you need to know what your competition is in real estate. It's a little bit different where it's like, honestly, I'm at, I'm at the point now in my business. It's like, if you don't want to work with me, I don't want to work with you. And I get to decide if I want to work with you. Right. So Mm -hmm. ultimately car sales isn't like that. You really have to kiss ass. But when somebody's spending a large amount of money, like they are in real estate and you don't know the process, you know, you never sell a car. And if you don't know the car, you don't sell it. Same thing with a house. Like buyers will hit you with questions like, what are the, what are the property taxes per year? Like, have you ever gotten that question? You're just like, oh shit, I don't know. Like, I should probably know that, right? Same I'll thing. I'll find that out for you. <laughs> yeah. I sold a car once that uh, didn't have Apple CarPlay and I thought it did. Well, they had to come return the car because I didn't know, but oh. I actually thought it did. So, I mean, that stuff happens in real estate all the time. But when somebody's spending that amount of money, they're shopping and they're shopping heavily. Nobody is married to you. Same thing in real estate as an agent or even an investor. You know what I mean? You're not guaranteed the deal. Um, And financing. Like most people are financing cars because rates are cheap. And if you 
don't know anything about finance and you come into real estate, you're not going to, you're not going to thrive. I think going through that small transaction first, understanding, okay, the transaction is shorter, obviously in a car deal and real estate deal. It doesn't vary much like rates, shopping around car rates, all of that stuff, banks, everything. Like it is very similar in that aspect. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is actually, yeah. You get to learn the different aspects that involve real estate besides just the sales portion of it, which I think is a learning curve for a lot of new agents for sure. I think that's a good point though, too, to that you need to understand the financing because I think a lot of people in the industry don't realize that when they get into it, but there's so many different products out there and so many different types of loans, depending on the type of purchase and the cost of the financing affects your purchasing power. And in our world, in the flipping industry, it affects your numbers on your return and analyze, you know, underwriting and analyzing the deal. So it's kind of a missing piece, not a missing piece, but it's a portion that I think is often forgotten or just not considered as highly as it should be. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people don't pay, like I walked with a gal this morning that wanted to, you know, she wants to get into flipping and, you know, I mean, just, she, she doesn't even know what hard money costs. You know what I mean? Like there's like, I'm like, dude, the game changes on this end of it. And I've had people ask me, why don't I just get a conventional loan? Well, you don't understand. Yeah. Yep. And I think a lot of agents might even lose out on transactions just because if they are keeping themselves in this one box, well, you can only get conventional lending or something to that effect. You're missing out on all those entrepreneurs because more often than not, they have more than enough money to for a down payment or to purchase, you know, an average size home. But because they don't have those two, three, four years worth of tax returns yet, or they're writing off all of their money, then they won't be able to get conventional. So I think knowing those different types of um, ways of funding deals can really add volume to your sales. One thousand percent. One thousand percent. Yeah. So how did you get into the investing space? Um, Honestly, I like when I first started being like a cold caller all day, every day, just pre foreclosures 24 seven, it was like, that was the gate for me was like, well, why am I trying to list these? And I was doing short sales when I first started, which was a waste of my time. And I was getting hit up by hundreds of investors when I was listing them. So you know, I was like, this just doesn't make sense. I'm literally losing out on this. But I was like, oh, I don't have any money to be able to flip them. So it really just started by like changing my mindset. I was just like, you know what? I don't, I hate being an, an agent. I'm actually not bad at it. I just don't like doing it. So it makes me bad at it because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to answer the phone. <laughs> calls me. No, nope, I'm not talking to you. You're going <laughs> to ask me 20 million questions. Oh, okay, cool. You liked it? Great. Oh, you have feedback? Great. Yeah, it's a pre-foreclosure. What do you think? The house is obviously trash. I don't want to fucking talk to you. Like, just go away. Like, you did you read the confidential remarks? Oh, <laughs> you didn't know that it was vacant on Lockbox? Okay, cool. So I realized really quickly that <sighs> I did not like that and I did not like open houses and I literally was like this is stupid so I just quit doing it I was like fuck it and then I started wholesaling and then I started venturing off outside of pre-foreclosures like code violations you know probate all of that all of the distressed 
you know, 90 day lates, just everything. And I was like, wow, I'm going on. I was, I was still cold calling. I was like, I'm going on so many appointments. I should just connect the deal to an investor. So it kind of just, I I fell into it. I feel like I got lucky. I was definitely. So you were doing all of those calls on your own. That wasn't like for another group or anything. You were just building your own business. Okay. Yeah. In the beginning, I was an ISA for another broker. Um, with when I was cold calling pre foreclosures, that's how I started. And then when I started wholesaling, I had ventured off on my own. So I just recreated the wheel and started cold calling for myself. And that's kind of how it happened. That's when I met Luke. Um, he wanted me to be a buyer's agent. I said, no, actually, I didn't even say anything. I just said, okay, cool. And then I just didn't do any open houses. And <laughs> I started, I was wholesaling. I was like, oh, I have a couple of deals locked up if you want them. And then he was like, what? And then that's kind of how everything evolved. Now it's just a big machine. Like, I can't even believe that was, you know, three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. So yeah, you went, you were doing the wholesaling and just for anyone listening who might not know exactly what that is you're basically getting a contract um getting a property under contract and then assigning the contract to another buyer investor buyer yeah yeah i've done a lot of double closes a lot of assignments um and then i went from that kind of into flips uh just naturally like and and you know it's funny i think everybody dreams of flipping houses and i do yeah, I think I know, right? What if, I'm like, well, maybe I should go back to not that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, sometimes I'm like, dang, to like make your 50, 100 grand, 150 grand in 10 days, 17 days, whatever it is, and walk away from the deal is sometimes a lot better than flipping it. But, you know, now I'm flipping, doing developments, apartments, stuff like that. Um, so, you know, new construction and flips. So it's a I don't know what I don't know yet. I mean, I could very well in three years look back and say I ruined my whole fucking life uh, <laughs> taking the risks that we're at right now at this point. Like, I'm like, well, it's worked out up until this point. So hopefully by the time these are built out, they don't catch on fire or something fucking crazy. But yeah. God knows you sound like happens. a doomsday. <laughs> well, I mean, it's uh, I think going from wholesaling to flipping is easy. Going from flipping to like, demoing a house and building units I think is I mean I've never done that before so yeah. here I am like, um so I think I mean just going from wholesaling to flipping and I still wholesale like I don't I have I'll never stop doing that especially if the market really takes a dive wholesaling will always be viable I'll always be able to make my money but yeah flipping is a I don't know <laughs> I'm like well fuck <laughs> <laughs> You know, I just had a budget go from 360 to 500 real quick. And I'm, that's pretty intense. Um, yeah. The development side, I don't know what is yet to come. I mean, I, we haven't finished a, a total build out yet. Um, we're closing on one next week that I think is probably 30 to 50 units, which is like, I mean, I just, you know, it's, it's crazy because I'm like, fuck, I don't know what I don't know. And I mean, I just really don't know shit about development. I'm just going along with it. So and like, this thing. seems like yes. fun. Let's try this. Do it. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I did with wholesales. That's what I did with flips. So I think uh, if I try hard enough, <laughs> it'll work out. But we'll see. 
But that's like the epitome of you just have to take action. You'll never know. Every, we talk about this all the time, on, especially on the podcast. Like you'll never know everything and you just have to. You're guaranteed to fail if you do nothing. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that. Doing nothing is the worst thing that you can do. And yeah. most people do nothing, which means there's more deals for us, which I very much so love. So I, I'm not I'm not against doing nothing. I just won't do nothing. You won't yeah. do nothing. <laughs> right. Big difference. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, and another investor that we're talking to talked about like, don't ever stop doing the things that you're already doing. Like as you're doing more, like now you're getting into the development stuff. That doesn't mean you have to stop the flipping and the wholesaling and the the traditional side of the business. You can still do all those things, but you're just adding another income stream on top of all of that. And you have now just more tools in the toolbox to yeah. make money evolving and adding on yeah exactly no i mean it's all about what you're good at i mean if you're good at it keep doing it grow it <clears throat> but yeah i think it just depends you know um and honestly wholesaling there's a lot about wholesalers out there too i think that education is key in this side of the business as an investor like you have to educate yourself. You have to look into things. You can't just do things because other people are doing it because it creates Mm -hmm. a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of things that if you don't know how to do it, you can land yourself in hot water real quick. Yeah. How did you educate yourself and continue to educate yourself? Um, you know, talking to my attorney, um, every, you know, every wholesale deal I did, I was just asking, you know, questions like, Hey, is this contract legit? I want to make sure, you know, disclosing things, you know, a lot of people think that <clears throat> wholesaling is shady or whatever, but it's like, no, 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 it's disclosed. You disclose it. Um, <clears throat> because it has to be, you know, I think, uh, I don't, you know, I didn't really go to other wholesalers necessarily all the time, but, you know, structuring your contract, like if you're an agent, you know, the contracts. So, you know, just inform the seller what you're doing, like just disclose it. It's not that big of a deal. 99% of the time they don't give a fuck. It's when you don't disclose things that they give a fuck. Right. So, you know, always be upfront and honest. And I just learned that from my attorney, I was like, is this contract legit? And then I just continued doing that over and over again. Uh, So, I think that's powerful. A lot of people at the beginning, you know, I think paying for stuff like that, paying an attorney to make sure that you have the correct information, like somebody who's reputable, saves you a lot of time and can make you more money. Yeah. Make you more money in the long run, for sure, without a doubt. Mm -hmm. We hope you enjoyed the first half of our conversation with Ashley, learning about her real estate journey and how she's educated herself along the way. Be sure to tune in again next week to hear more about all of the exciting things that she's got in store for the future.